Hey everyone. Before we start this episode, we just wanted to say we know this is a very difficult time right now, and we hold space for all of those affected by the recent global tragedies and hope to provide a positive space for you all. Good day, Desperate Housewife super fans. Welcome back. <laughs> this is We Know What You Did. It makes us sick. <gasps> We're going to tell. That was clean. I'm, I'm Christy Gomez. I'm Summer Moran. I'm so happy we didn't forget the intro this time. <laughs> Nobody knows. Nobody, nobody knows. Can we get Mitski on the podcast, you think? What the heck is a Mitski? All right, Desperate Housewives superfans, I need you to go to (laughs) at Christy Gomez with two Zs on Instagram and absolutely trash this woman's reputation. Thank you. Big reputation. Big reputation. Ooh, you and me, we got big conversations. Are you going to go see the Eras Tour movie? I don't know what that is. Yes, you do. (laughs) I'm just saying that because you didn't know Mitski. (laughs) You're an alive person in America. You know what the Eras Tour movie is. You should go as a new Swifty. Big reputation. I'm going tonight. I'm really excited. Oh, this is ASMR. Our friend Callie got the tickets. And when they released, I just woke up to a text that said, got Eras Tour tickets. Venmo me $27 and you can. (laughs) I was like, okay. I wish Callie was real. <laughs> <It's> true. <laughs> my, my imaginary friend Callie Noel. <laughs> Your imaginary friend that you Venmoed $27. Could you imagine if you were like, Christy, you don't know anybody named Callie. It was just us at Disneyland. <laughs> what was your moment of desperation this week? Well, let me tell you. For those who don't know, my day job is that I teach an after-school Harry Potter-themed class to young kids, sort of between the ages of, I'd say, 5 and 10 or 11. But on Tuesdays, I have the little kids. So I have a 4-year-old, and the oldest is 6. And I only have 4 students. So this week, I treated them to a potions lesson. What is the potions lesson, you ask? I take a jar. I give them baking soda, which I call powdered moonstone. I give them dish soap, which I call liquefied boom slang skin. And I give them vinegar, which I call standard potioning mix. You put all these things together and it makes a little science experiment looking thing. And it can bubble up if you put too much in it, it can overflow. Well, I thought I was doing a wonderful job supervising these little brats. When all of a sudden, the six-year-old, the oldest one in the class, who has been so well-behaved up until this point for the last four or five weeks, grabs the vinegar and dumps it in the jar, causing the jar to completely overflow. Now, mind you, we already had all of the other ingredients in there, including several types of food coloring. So it's like this big black liquid bubbling up all the way over the desk. It makes this huge mess. And so we went to and from the bathroom, I would say three or four times. And I was like, guys, you have to get me 
paper towel, like wet the paper towel as much as you can carry. How much paper towel do you think they came out with? Two each. <laughs> if that. <laughs> yeah. They and definitely I, have the parents who are like, don't waste this. But I just could not believe that no matter how many times I said the phrase, as much as you can carry, they would come out with like a sheet of paper towel. So okay, to be fair, how big are these kids? Maybe this is a ratio. <laughs> I know that they can carry more than one sheet in each hand. You're so Lynette right now. <laughs> this was so Lynette coded of me. I did this lesson just so I could feel like Lynette this week. It felt like a really long class. It's not even two hours and it felt like a full day. So that Mm -hmm. was my moment of desperation this week. You taking care of kids is crazy to me. I know. I know. What about you, Christy? What was your moment of desperation this week? Well, yesterday morning, I was fighting for my life a little bit because (laughs) on Thursday night, I went out so if we have any Vanderpump Rules fans listening I'm sure we have a few um Jax who some of you don't know he is like the main villain misogynistic terrible man on the show opened a bar a walking distance to from my apartment so me and my friend Heather are like obviously we're going to be regulars now so we went last week because Jax posted oh, Sunday, Thursday night football. I'm hosting. Come, we go there. Nobody, there's not a soul there. The drinks, I had two drinks, felt not like they were water. He wasn't there. He was simply at an after party for House of Villains, his new show. So we're like, okay, we're still going to show up. We're going to be here weekly. So this week he was doing a watch party for his new show called House of Villains, which is just like a bunch of reality star villains in a house together. So we show up, it's bustling, it's fun. I was like, I bet these drinks are gonna be water drowned. So I had one, I drank Heather's because she asked for vodka, they gave her tequila. So she's like, do you want it? I was like, yeah, give it to me. And you know, when you're like, just like up and moving, there's a lot going on. You're not really feeling what you're drinking. That's where I was at. So then I was like, whatever, I'll have another drink. (laughs) So I got a third. (laughs) Oh no. And then I was just having a good time. I talked, I spoke to Jax and his wife, Brittany. When I tell you, he was one of the nicest, most down to earth people, like truly nothing like his reality TV persona. I got jaxed. I get it now. I understand why people like him. Like he in person, like he's really, really like cool and nice. He was so excited. We showed up. He was like, oh, that's great. I really wanted to open up a bar in the Valley. I love it here. Everybody's in West Hollywood. It's stupid. I'm like, I agree. Like that's my friend now. Um, I love Brittany. I know. Like these are my new friends. I'm going to go to this bar. I'm going to be here all the time. Our meetup should be at Jax's studio city. We love Jax Taylor, but I walked out of there and then I was like, oh, I drank a lot of alcohol. Oh, our nerve. Um, so I woke uh, up and said, oh, no, bro. Oh, no, bro. What is that? I forget what it's from. Half this podcast <laughs> is me making a reference you don't get, and then you making a reference I don't get. Freddie Fazbear. <laughs> Still don't know what that is. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so I woke up yesterday and I was 
just like, no, I didn't throw up. I was just like shaking a little. And then my building maintenance had to come paint my ceiling, replace my fan all day. What? Yeah. Because of the leak last year, you saw like, finally that's all fixed. Um, so I was just like holed up in my room all day, which was actually nice. And I had a lot of work to do. Um, yeah. So all, but then, and then I felt fine at the end of the day and I went to training mate, my favorite gym and support Jack's the studio city. Right. <laughs> well, I look forward to going there when I'm in LA. I actually really like ASMR. I hate it. Like it, uh, I hate it. I know. I feel like you either love it or you hate it. Like there's really no in between. Yeah. Have you seen that, um, happy hospital game ad on TikTok? No. It's like an ASMR. It's just like really gross, like pimple popping and gross oh, things that you like shave off. Wait, yes. I kind of love watching the ad. No, I hate those ads. See, I like that. I like it. Interesting. It's satisfying to me. Do you know what ads I see on Instagram all the time that drive me nuts? What? Project Makeover. I've never seen that. <laughs> Christy said, not only do I not know but I don't care. <laughs> don't know, don't care, baby. <laughs> Shall we get into the episode? Yes. <laughs> Let's get into it. Let's get into the episode. So we start off, this episode's called Everyday Little Death. I think and that, that is makes sense. A direct Sondheim reference. Uh, it's from A Little Night Music. Did you see that letter that Kristen Chenoweth posted when I did. she, I was shook. Did you know this already? No, she was between a Sondheim show and the Steven Schwartz show. I think I knew it, but forgot about it. Oh, like, isn't that crazy to be so talented that Steven Schwartz and Steven Sondheim both offer you a huge role at the same time? Battle of the Stevens. And not for nothing, but considering who... Steven Sondheim was at the time it does kind of shock me that she would have gone for Schwartz because what did he have under his belt at this time it was like Pippin Godspell those were his biggest feats to date because Wicked is the biggest thing he's ever done probably could just tell that the show was gonna like sometimes you just know that it's the right thing we start with a little Martha Huber backstory that she had a super mundane boring existence I will say She's so me because in that opening sort of montage, they were saying that she always wanted to be kidnapped by a band of pirates. That's very me. She always wanted to be discovered by a Hollywood talent scout. That's very me. That's also you. Yeah. As an adult, she wanted to get whisked away by a handsome millionaire. That is also, I can't fault her for any of these delusions. I feel like that's everybody's delusions, but you know, some people just aren't meant to be interesting. <laughs> and Martha Hooper was not one of them. And then um, we'd have a little flashback to the night Paul killed Martha. And she was just like, life can be so cruel. We then see the investigative team at the crime scene and the news shows up. And one of the cops, I thought this was so weird, <laughs> leans into Martha's corpse and he's like, you're going to be on the front page of the news. How's that for exciting? A cab. <laughs> A cab. <laughs> I don't Assigned know. Assigned cop at birth. 
that's icky. You're talking to a dead body. But Martha liked it because even her corpse just had a little smirk. Finally, she's going to be on the front page of something. It was giving Mona Lisa. My next note for the next scene is <laughs> we see Susan coming out of her house. And I just wrote, Susan, my sister in Christ, what are you wearing? It's a very, her entire wardrobe is very like 2004 rustic. Rustic um, is the word for sure. Yeah. So she goes over there. This is right after Felicia is told about Martha's death. And she, for for the only time ever, she like looks upset and concerned. She just like throws the hose. And then that's when Susan prances over to Mike's. We see Edie once again slaying in her signature pink. And she insinuates that she's going to ride Mike. <laughs> <laughs> and Susan's not threatened. Look at her character development. She's not threatened anymore. She's like, I have Mike and you don't. And then makes out with him in front of her, which I think is mean. Do you feel like Susan is objectifying Mike here? A little, but I'm not mad about it. I, I'm not mad either, but I, <laughs> I wonder, you know, are they treating him like a prize to be won? A, a fatted calf, if you... <laughs> if the roles were reversed, we would be like, misogynist. She's not a prize. She's not an object. But we're like, go Susan. <laughs> Get him, Susie. Susie Q. Susie Q. Not Carl's nickname for her. I missed Carl. We didn't get John Rowland or Rex. So this is an amazing episode. And then Felicia calls Edie and tells her about Martha's death. And Edie's really sad because that was her only true friend for some reason. Then Lynette goes to yoga girl get another nanny is what i wrote she has to haul all of her children to the yoga daycare well i think part of the problem is that parker was sick so she had to bring him along otherwise she would have just had penny because parker would have been in school oh right the twins weren't there when i see one i see them all in my mind <laughs> but it's like i don't know where like i think well, we haven't found Miss McCluskey yet, but get a neighbor to babysit or stay home. Sorry, you have to take care of your sick kid. <laughs> Don't lug them to yoga and spreading kid COVID around the daycare. I will say, I think you raise a really good point because why did she have to go to yoga today of all days? We've never seen her go to yoga before. Not and one she time. Just, she decides she has to go the day that Parker is sick. <laughs> Come on, man. I know. She said, this kid has the flu. Time to bring him around other kids. <laughs> no, Lynette, Lynette wanted Parker to be patient zero and, and infect <laughs> everybody on the lane. Everybody in Fairview, really. Oh my God, what's that ha hack and sack hack? What is that that little thing that like kids get? Hacky sack? Hacky. Oh, cocksacky. Cocksacky, yeah. <laughs> she wants to. <laughs> hack and sack. <laughs> that is a neighborhood in New Jersey. <laughs> New Jersey. I'm so sorry for you. We have Hackensack. <laughs> yeah, we literally have listeners in Hackensack. 
Fountains of Wayne be like, you're not going to understand that reference. <laughs> no, I won't. Um, <laughs> anyway, so he wants, she wants to spread the Hackensack disease. Coxsackie. <laughs> you know who had Coxsackie? Who? Noah Syndergaard, the pitcher from the New York Mets. <gasps> I remember that. And it was very soon after we were at his birthday party. Yup, very soon. Because I remember after. my dad telling me that. Wow, that's lore. <laughs> People are going to be like, what? <laughs> and it wasn't just the fact that we happened to be in the same venue. It was the fact that we were there for his birthday. We were invited to his birthday. <laughs> I remember my dad walking into my room. It, it was like maybe like a week or two after. And he was like, check to see if you Hackensack, Cocksacky. <laughs> And I was like, I think I'm fine. Um, I think I'm fine. I think I'm fine. <laughs> Do you know how many people I saw in Australia wearing a Yankee hat? Are you kidding? No, like it was cr- like not even just Australians, just like tourists from around the world were all wearing Yankees merch. I maybe saw five people a day. Why? I don't know. It was crazy. You saw five um, people a day total? Like, my entire trip, I saw multiple people every single day wearing Yankees merch. Oh, 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 oh. George and Brie go on another date. And it's very clear that Brie just simply does not like him. But every time she sees Rex, which is definitely not Stephen Culp. Right, um, right. Because, <laughs> because we never, we know he's around and we know his presence. But we just see, like, a figure. So I don't know where Stephen Culp was. There's an imposter up there. Theory? Yes. Why bring on Stephen Culp, an actor you have to pay for the day, when you could grab a production hand, somebody like that, to literally just be Rex's hand? Well, yeah, that's probably what, that's not a theory. That's probably exactly what happened. But I'm just saying that there was no, yeah, there was no, like, Stephen Culp storyline. Right. I just want to know why. Like, why he wasn't featured in it at all why they chose not to bring him on. Then we see Carlos coming home from jail. Gabby pours the champagne. She's ready to celebrate until Carlos explains that he is under house arrest. And nobody told her that, so that's gonna be a problem. Now, here's here's my question. She asks him, how are you going to work? And he's like, I can't, because obviously he like goes into the office, he, he's in business. But this is so interesting to me. Because nowadays, everybody works from home. And I even have a note later that says, like, why can't he do something to make money from his home? Get creative. I think his business is probably, like, under investigation. So I think he probably can't work when the court case is going on. But, yeah, he could be doing something else. He could be – I don't know. I mean, I guess it was just different back then because it's not like he could go online and start a TikTok. (laughs) or build an online business like that wasn't as accessible back then you mean he couldn't go on tiktok live and get gifts yeah could you imagine carlos (laughs) yum 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 pizza pizza ice cream ice cream (laughs) like gabby comes home from like her modeling job with a chicken and he's in front of going ice cream ice cream yum 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 Carlos and PC TikTok Live is crazy. Um, Ricardo Chavira, if you're watching, listening to this, Ricardo can Chavira, please, Ricardo, can you please make a video for us going ice cream, ice cream, yum, 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 ice cream, yeah. ice cream. <laughs> so Gabby's freaking out. I love it when he's like, 
can't you get a modeling job? And she's like, I'm not getting paid. I'm doing boat shows, not modeling old kutya. Yeah. <laughs> this is so me. She goes, old kutya. And then Gabby gets the call from Brie about Mrs. Hoover. I love how they did that with each of the housewives getting the calls from each other. Mm-hmm. It's good. It helps like connect everyone. Because it was only, I think it was episode two was the only one where they weren't interacting. And it just, it was so off. Yeah. Because since then, like, they always are somehow like interconnected. There is concerned neighbors on Felicia or Martha's yard. And can you take that sentence again? None of that was grammatically correct. (laughs) There is concerned neighbors on Felicia um, Martha's yard. (laughs) Why don't you go back? So then there are a group of concerned neighbors on Martha's yard, which is now Felicia. Felicia's taking over the house. And um, one of like the cops or whoever is like, oh, look, you, you got a lot of caring neighbors. And she goes, no, they're all just vultures. They don't care about my sister. And instead of a wake, I'll be doing an estate sale. And it's like, just, they they just want to know what's going on. Like, they, they're trying to care about you, Felicia. You remember how we said in one of the previous episodes that, like, Paul Young does nothing to help himself from being creepy? Mm-hmm. She is the same. She gets off on, on making people feel uncomfortable by her presence. And it's a shame that they're they're going to be enemies forever because they could really be a good team. And then Felicia like speaks to the, uh, the crowd and she kind of just deadpans that Martha was buried alive. She was like, hello, everybody. They found dirt in her lungs, which showed that she was buried alive. And then she suffered. I will be hosting an estate sale in lieu of a wake. Thank you. Goodbye. But why did she say that if that is not necessarily true? Like Paul completely killed her before he buried her. No, so that was, I actually saw something um, on like a trivia for this episode. I don't know why. Oh, I went to look on like the Housewives wiki to see what the song that Edie was singing for the last episode. And I found, first of all, that that was the episode that won Terry Hatcher the Emmy. Just like I said, the writers originally wanted to have Martha like wake up. I feel like we see a clip of this. I don't know. Do we not? In my mind, like, they had a clip of her, like, gasping for air. And she was going to be, like, buried alive. And then she was going to come back. But then they were like, yeah. Like, they were going to search for her body, couldn't find it. And then she was going to be like, I'm alive. You buried me. But they were like, that's not realistic. So that's when they put in that she was buried alive. So she would have been a zombie? Not a zombie. Just, like. Paul like knocked her out with the blender but like didn't kill her so she was just like oh. passed out and then he buried her imagine how different the show would have been I know I mean I think that she would have died again probably. <laughs> but I would have liked to see that like who cares if it's not believable a lot of things on the show are not and that's okay I would have accepted I would have accepted the disbelief of reality of Martha Huber being buried alive and staying alive. Stay alive. Stay alive. I just watched Hamilton last night. Then we get to the girls are over at Lynette's house and she, again, she doesn't have a nanny. So she bribes the kids with gum. First of all, choking hazard. She's like, if you guys stay up here and stay quiet, here's some gum. And they all could have choked and died on the gum, but 
whatever. She doesn't care enough. <laughs> she doesn't. She's like, one less thing to worry about. One less thing to worry about. And then we see the ladies playing poker together at Lynette's house. And then Edie comes over. And Edie starts trying to poach people for what I deemed Martha stuff. Namely, she wants someone to help spread Martha's ashes, which is a... I think that's kind of a big ask, to be honest with you. And everybody has some legitimate excuse except for Susan, who says, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, you know, busy. Was that a Susan impression? No. (laughs) (laughs) What? Sorry, side note really quick. I started watching Coraline today. Um, Terry Hatcher's in it. (laughs) Yeah, I know. That's a scary movie. Yeah, that's why I was watching it during the day. Yeah. Like I, I watched it once and it freaked me out. I never want to watch it again. Sorry, I wish Terry they Hatcher. had Coraline at ha- Halloween Horror Night. <laughs> ha- ha- Halloween Horror Night. <laughs> they probably did at some point. Is it not? A, is it Universal? I think it is. I don't remember, but it also came out in two thousand nine. So I feel like it's far enough back that you know yeah, it's not something that people go did. seeking. Yeah, at some point. But the ladies are being really mean to Edie for no reason. Like, she just lost her best friend, and she's walking in, and they're like, oh, no, Edie's here. She's like, oh, wow, you guys are all together. Like, clearly she doesn't get invited. And it's like, yeah, Edie has her issues, but I think she's just always – she's really insecure around these women, so she feels the need to, like, be kind of weird around them. And if they were just all nice to her, she wouldn't be trying to steal all their men. You see, Edie wants to be a girl's girl, but she's not. I think if Edie genuinely were a girl's girl, we'd be exactly the same. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah. Edie Britt could learn a couple things from me. Stay alive. (laughs) Then we get back to the twins and they stuck gum in Parker's hair. And Lynette's like, oh my God. And then she shaves his head. This woman cannot catch a break, not even at yoga. She just needs to hire another nanny. Like, where's Tom? Tom absent. That's a great question. Rex absent. Where's Tom? Like, she really had to go to yoga when Tom was out of town, sick kid, no nanny. Yeah. And you know what? Good for her. She said, (laughs) I'm putting myself first. I gotta put me first. I gotta put me first. I know that's something. Yeah. Okay. Um. (laughs) Then we see Brie and George have a picnic in the park. This is probably the funniest scene, barring when he shoots himself in the foot. But they reach into, I guess, the the basket or the lunchbox, whatever they've packed that you think is going to be containing food. And Brie is delighted when she realizes that he has gifted her a gun. No, like the light returns to her eyes that we have not seen in the last 12 episodes yeah and it is to be noted that before he gives her the gun he like keeps trying to like touch her and she like swats him away she clearly does not like this man but he just gave her a good gift so she's like okay no matter how much she loves guns I think she would support gun control today Bria's like I want my collection I want to be able to shoot some bottles at the at the local farmhouse but after that no let's put a cap on it 
Exactly. Like here she's super pro NRA, but I think as time would go on, right. she would be like, I'm going to condemn my people, the NRA. Then we see Susan go over to visit Felicia. It is notably nighttime. It's really dark on the lane. So she offers Felicia some help, but Felicia is not very receptive. And then they start talking about the journals that Martha kept. And immediately you see the, the flush come over Susan's face. Like she goes white because she knows, she knows that if Martha was committed to writing in her journals, she most likely wrote about the fire at Edie's. But here's the thing. Susan never really confirmed to Martha what she did. Like, I don't think that's solid enough evidence that, like, the town nosy Nellie is like, Susan burnt down Edie's house. Like, I think the cops would look at that and be like, um, she was a little crazy lady and always in people's business. Because there was no full admission and even still what it's coming out of the page of a diary of a deceased woman. Yeah. Like I just, I think Susan could have been like, Oh my God, no, she was just like that. If Felicia would have been like, Oh, my sister was terrible. And I don't think, I don't think they would have, anybody would have believed that Susan actually did it. Susan freaked out because it simply was the truth that she thought died with Martha. So (laughs) she freaks out. And of course, goes straight to her therapist daughter who she burdened with the arson and (laughs) julie goes i even wrote about it in my journal i think that's the one that you should be a little weary of like if somebody looked through julie's journals she said got home from school mom told me she burnt down edie's house that's a little bit more condemning than martha's i think even the cops would believe the word of 10 15 8 9 10 year old julie over Martha Hooper. (laughs) Yeah. So, Julie, you need to burn those journals. So, Mike comes home and he sees his uh, house has been ransacked. 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 And it, we find out it was his moth. I don't think we know the guy's name. I started calling him Mafia Boss. Oh. Yeah. What did you want to call him? Dean or Dane? Something with a D. Daddy? Oh. Okay, well, um, it was Daddy Mafia Boss. (laughs) And I just, like, first of all, I had a visceral reaction because I thought about my car being broken into as we Yeah. I was like, wow, I stand with Mike Delfino right now. That's a really difficult thing to to see. (laughs) But also, like, Daddy Mafia Boss was just getting his – he just wanted his gun, his money, his maps. Did he have to move some paintings around? Like, he, he, he wanted he it made to be obvious that he was there. Yeah. He was like, I'm, I'm leaving. He was a dog leaving its scent. Yeah. Marking its territory. That's why tree. I said he was in the mafia. Like, he even on the phone, he went, <gasps> sorry for the mess. He did the ASMR that you hate. Yeah, he did. He also tells Mike to pack up and move on with his life over the answering machine, which is just super ominous. Yeah, because, like, Mike now has a life on the lane. He's not just going to move because he's not in the middle of his um, mysterious... 
Mike loves Susan. Mike loves Susan. He's not leaving now. He even looks at Julie like a daughter. Yes, he said, this is now my child. So then we see Lynette going back to yoga for God knows why. And due to the bubblegum incident, she had to shave Parker's head. And now the front desk girl, thinking that he has cancer, lets Lynette into the class and welcomes her children into the daycare. And you know what? Lynette really didn't do anything wrong because she never, she didn't say my kid has cancer. Right. She just goes, he's sick. And she's like, yeah, he's sick. And she goes, oh, come on in. But again, this is very like, and we'll see this later, obviously with Lynette, but the early 2000s, we had so much cancer in the media that I don't feel like we see now. Why do you think that is? I don't know, but I've been thinking about it recently because I feel like we don't talk about, I feel like everybody was like talking about cancer at this Mm -hmm. time. And now it feels like people don't get it as much anymore, which I'm sure they do, but it's just not like as prevalent in media. I wonder if it's because it was a little more taboo in a sense to be talked about maybe. And that was like done as a shock factor thing. Probably. That's just Did a we guess. talk about this already? No. No. Maybe I was talking about this with somebody else. But I was like, maybe because like smoking. Oh, I think I was talking about this on Malia. Like smoking levels went down and things like that. So maybe cancer isn't as prevalent. I certainly hope not. Yeah. Do you think that this episode influenced or foreshadowed at all what we know Lynette's later storyline to be? I don't think so. I don't know if they had that in mind just yet. I think it was just like a media thing. Like I don't know. I feel like we were always hearing about like childhood cancer and stuff. Maybe, you know what it is? Maybe it's because we would watch more live TV and we would see those childhood cancer ads. Like for St. Jude's and whatnot? Yeah. So Susan goes to suck up to Edie. And Edie's always serving. Like every time I see this woman, I'm like, she looks so good. The reason why this is one of the funniest scenes in the show, or in this episode at least, is that Edie is mourning the loss of her only friend in the entire world. (laughs) And Susan walks up to her and goes, boy, I envy you. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then she has the audacity. So you, Summer. (laughs) So you, like you do not know how to handle people in these situations and I can absolutely see you doing that a hundred (laughs) percent and then she has the audacity to say it's actually a good thing your house burned down (laughs) and Edie's just like yeah she doesn't know the backstory she doesn't know why Susan is saying the things that she's saying um but it's just really wild. And then Susan's just like, oh, oh. She wants to confess. Yeah, but she can't. And like, maybe you shouldn't. Um, but she's just like, I I will go scatter the ashes with you, Edie. And Edie, she perks up and she's like, oh, okay, sure. And then she's like really excited and happy. I really love Susan Edie friendship. I've said it before and I'll say it again, but that is just such a well-written pair. Mm -hmm. 
And knowing the dynamic of Nicolette Sheridan <laughs> and Terry Hatcher, I don't know. I it's just want to know more about what happened. I, it's such inner conflict, but seeing the kind of chemistry they have as frenemies on screen is incredible. It's the same with um, Sarah Jessica Parker and Kim Cattrall. Yes, yes. They hated each other in real life, but they were so good as friends on the show. So, I love acting. I love the craft. Then we see Gabby come home with KFC. She's exhausted from all the work she's done. Carlos says he wants to have a baby, and because his mom which completely forgot about Juanita Solis in the hospital. His mom is in the hospital. He wants her to wake up with a grandchild. And Gabby's like, we made a deal. We're not having kids. And he's like, will things change? You're on house arrest, lost your job, accounts frozen. You think that these are the changes that are a good time to just have a baby? Right, right. Like, you could simply be broke tomorrow, like, for real. And he's like, oh, time to bring a baby into this world. Like, what do you mean? That's he's not stupid. thinking clearly. I think no. part of it is the fact that he is home all day and doing nothing. So all he's thinking about is sex, yeah. probably. Yeah. I mean, that, because he's a man. But also, he's probably, like, just sitting at home all day. He's like, I could have a kid to play with. So, or like I could have a kid to take care of while, while, um, Gabby's working. Also back to when the, they were all like playing poker when Gabby's excuse, she was like, oh, I'm modeling again, but just for fun. It's like, she will not admit like that she has to step up and financially help her family, which is fine to do. Her friends would not judge her for this. They would respect her so much. They would be like, that's a really good thing that you're doing. But I hate I this conversation. It. I'm not even going to lie to you. I forgot that Juanita was still in the hospital and that she was still in the I did, too. I did, too. I completely It's been forgot. so long since that was addressed. Yeah. Also, we took two weeks off. Yeah. Um, and then Carlos is like, I'm still the man of the house. We're having a baby. And she goes, oh, you're the man of the house. And then iconically, she takes the bucket of chicken KFC, really, and just walks out the door past where he can go. And she just sits there and is just like seductively eating the chicken and the fries. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, Carlos, she runs that household. She runs circles around that man. Also, the entire time she, I mean, I guess they kind of broke up, but the entire time Carlos was in jail, she quit her affair. And that's the best time to have one. I'm glad she didn't go back to John Rowland. Yeah, she can do so much better than that little teenager. Anybody is a better choice than John Rowland. <laughs> so then Bree is teaching George how to shoot in the middle of the night. So that's an interesting choice. Um, and George, so he's like standing there holding the gun and she's behind him. They're holding a, a loaded gun. And this is the time he decides to try to kiss her. He probably thought it would be romantic, but God, was he wrong? Yeah. And she jumps back and then we cut to them in the hospital and we find out he shot off his toe and she goes, she says something. She goes, Oh, it's not an important one. Like you're not going to lose your balance or anything. (laughs) That was hilarious. His monologue that he said from the hospital bed implies that he has never kissed a beautiful woman. 
because he's like, it was always my dream to kiss a beautiful woman before I die or something. And he's like, I finally get to do that. And I lose a toe in the process. Yeah. And he was like, I will never forget the way you pulled away from me. And it's like, okay, yeah, she she's not into you, first of all. Second of all, she was showing you how to shoot a loaded gun. Use that was brain. just not the time. Use your head. Maybe yeah. she did really, really like you. But that's just like a shocking, like, no, like you're that's not safe. She's trying yeah. to teach you gun safety. So he's we, we're starting to see how crazy he is. I called this scene George's turn because mm-hmm. we see him turn from this seemingly docile, well-meaning man to what's really going on behind those eyes. To a cuckoo crazy, crazy man. Yes. Like Summer said last week, don't be mean to the men who fix your faces. <laughs> you never know what's going on. Men shouldn't be allowed in the pharmacy. What? Men shouldn't be allowed to mix medicine. Yeah, that should be for girls I don't think only. they're mentally stable enough. I think they're too emotional. <laughs> <laughs> Men are too emotional to mix medicine. I'm calling on POTUS to make it illegal for men to be pharmacists. We see Lynette go back to yoga, and it has occurred to me that Lynette now has the D story for, like, the third time in a, in a row. And she is yeah. using the cancer excuse to get the kids into daycare yet again. Like, how many days has she gone to yoga this week? And she's never going to go back. Well, this she show can't. only takes place on weekends. It does, but it's like, how long has Tom been away? How many days? Is she going to yoga three days in a row? That's like, what's hardcore. happening. You're going to yoga a lot with all these kids. Maybe, okay, maybe she made a routine and she was going when she had Claire. Oh, that could be. And we know that mm-hmm. at least these episodes or this episode, um, we're seeing weekdays pass because the twins are at school. Yeah. So maybe she was just like getting in a routine. She was getting really fit. She's like, okay, I really don't want to stop. Okay. So that makes sense. So Susan and Edie's car breaks down. Did we see the car break down or did I just miss that? I don't think we saw it break down. We just saw it being broken down. Very confusing. I yes. think that they should have put in a scene of the car breaking down because all of a sudden they're on the side of the road, no warning, and Edie knows how, or Susan knows how to fix the the wheel. Like, amazing. Love that for her. That's a man's job, so I'm good for her for knowing. You would never catch me. I can't even put air in my tires, so. You can't. I know. I know that. No, I need to fill up all four tires right now, and I don't know how to do it. Hey, Desperate Housewives super fans in the San Fernando Valley, want to pump air in my tires? (laughs) Please? Edie goes, I bet you were popular in high school. Susan's like, yeah, I was. Susan is like, how was I clocked for being a cheerleader? I'm changing a tire. Yeah, like, I don't think cheerleader homecoming queen would be changing tires in high school. It's just not the stereotype that we see in media, especially not... 90s or early 2000s didn't really make sense but then Edie goes on to say like how she wasn't cool in high school and she was an always an outsider and you just you're you never leave high school which I agree I think life is like high school like in every situation it's just it's always the exact same thing people don't may I always clicks yes 
sure that's all you've got to endure like bowling for soup really made that point years ago i made a really good fan edit of that song with like all the key disney channel players no you I'm didn't gonna send it to you yeah I I, did. wait it was actually wait. really good no this was back in my like really like full editing era i don't think i have access to this account i hope it's still up susan is very like peaked in high school type of girl, like mentally still there kind of. Edie is not peak in high school because she was weird. I think she said she was like basically emo, like smoking with all the weird people. She grew up to be beautiful, hot Barbie, successful, has huge house, multiple marriages. Like that's what happened when you don't peak in high school. Right, right. Period. You get married multiple times when you're, not peaking in high school. Yes, exactly. And that's why she knows that something's up. She knows that Susan wants something from her because she's like, you would never have hung out with me in high school. So then we see Mike going to daddy mafia boss um, to get his money and his guns back. The bullets have your gun. The bullets have your gun. Um, We don't run to cover and we move as one. One fight to save another day. One fight. (laughs) Daddy Mafia Boss says, I need to find Deirdre. And I think that's the first time we hear Deirdre's name spoken. Daddy Mafia Boss reveals that he has a brain tumor and he wants to know what happened to his daughter before he unalives. And also that Mike was in love with her. So that's their connection. Lynette's back at yoga and this breast cancer survivor (laughs) (laughs) once sees Parker and she goes, can I give your son son a hug? Which I think is really weird. I think it is too, but I see why they did it. My biggest note for this scene is that she should have kept lying. I know. Just keep lying and then never go back. Exactly. We see this in in multiple storylines this episode, but the lesson here is to just always lie. Always, always lie. And, And then Parker goes, Mommy, am I dying? And that is kind of what triggers her to be like, no. Everybody just thinks you are. (laughs) You sly dog. (laughs) She could have said, no, no, honey. And like just held him and made it still look like she was trying to comfort him and keep up the lie. But she has a conscience. Always let your conscience be your guide. Then we see Brie gardening and George comes over on his crutches. He explains that he needs not once but needs their friendship back this is where we see scary george because she's like listen i'm sorry i took things too far like obviously i've still known over rex and whatever he freaks you're just a man it's just what you do because he freaks out george literally goes And then runs off on his crutches. 
Then we go back to Gabby and Carlos. Gabby is being super encouraging and sweet, and Carlos is realistically saying things like, I could be going to prison for five years. So he is flipping out, and he's like, Gabby, can you promise that if I'm away, that you're not going to stray, like you're gonna stick around for me? And she just very quickly is like, yeah, I promise. <laughs> like, it means nothing to her. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah, because she's thinking about her little teenager. So then we get to Edie and Susan on the boat spreading Martha's ashes. Susan really said, what are you waiting for? Once again, this was Edie's only friend and you're gonna rush her to spread this woman's ashes? There's just no empathy. Like we're seeing like real feeling from Edie for the first time, like genuine care for anybody. And Susan's just like hmm, twiddling her thumbs. Edie is like, wow, you know what? Maybe we are friends. Like, I'm so grateful for you. That's when Edie, when Susan just says, decides to go, Edie, I broke your house down. May I? Yes. She should have kept lying. She was in such a sweet spot. The theme of this episode is always lie because Christy, what does Edie Agreed. do when Susan blurts out that she's the one who burnt down her house? She throws Martha's ashes on her. That is an insane move. I understand Crazy. she was taken aback, but oh my God, what? I think it's exactly what Martha Hoover would have wanted. Yeah. That's I so think real. she was very happy with that. Her corp, the ashes smiled. <laughs> <laughs> That's so real. Um, and then we're back with Mike with Daddy Mafia. And we see that he carries a photo with him and Deirdre everywhere. They apologize to each other and Mike looks really good in his leather jacket. I love him so much. I love it when we get a full Mike storyline. Yeah. He deserves it. I'm like, Completely. Hee -hee. And then we get to Carlos doing housework. He's like vacuuming or something. And he calls the pharmacy, which was probably George, and tries to get a bunch of Gabby's birth control, which he switches out for like sugar peel peels. Sugar Every peels. week I say something weird. <laughs> sugar peels. Sugar pills or something. That is so abusive. I have no respect for Carlos Solis. No respect. I love him. But right now, this is like you don't do that's literally that's abuse. Yeah, it is. Gabby's body, Gabby's choice, Carlos. Ricardo Javier, I know you would not like this. Okay. <laughs> you sound like your dad. <laughs> Next, we see Susan and Edie return. Edie is giving Susan the silent treatment the entire way back. Yikes. I personally feel like Susan should have groveled harder because she was basically just like, listen, I hate myself for what I did. I'm really sorry. You don't have to forgive me. You burned her house down. <laughs> Does she not understand the severity of the situation? And then Edie just goes, I'm not going to tell the police because it's just going to delay my insurance money. Like, it's fine. And Susan's like, oh, what a relief. And then Edie's like, I just want to be friends. How about you and I reenact that scene right now? So you be Edie and I'll be Susan. We'll paraphrase. Okay. Okay. Take it away. <sighs> Susan, 
I'm not going to call the police. Really? You're not? <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> yes, you can. Yes, you must. You okay. must. Yeah. It's just going to make the insurance money come longer. Wait. It's just going to make the insurance money, whatever. Who's in it and what's it's. So you're off. Oh, wow. Edie, you are the best. I mean, thank you so much. I still hate you, but I want to be included in poker. Oh, 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 yeah. No, of course. I mean, so sometimes so I might not want to show up, but I'd like the phone call. You got it. And it's a potluck. So everybody brings something. I'm not bringing anything. Nor should you. <laughs> I feel like we're in a um, PSA. I feel like this was the easiest trade Susan could have got ever. Yeah. Just hang, just you're gaining a friend. That's it. Yep. She wants to be nice to you now. And then Susan goes, all right, I'm going to go upstairs and take a shower to wash Mrs. Hoover off me. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> and then Edie's like, no, 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 we're doing this outside. I don't want Mrs. Hoover. I don't want Martha to go down the drain like that. So she hoses Susan off. What a fun scene to be a part of as an actor. I know. I feel like they were always doing fun, like, physical things like that. Yeah. I hope it was warm that day. Then in the final minute, we see Felicia looking at the Martha flyer, and she crumples it up and throws it out. Crazy. Then there's just, like, a little montage, and it ends with George getting his little TV dinner. Did you watch the end of the episode this time, Summer? You bet I did. Thank you. He gets his little TV dinner and he turns on security footage that he took from the pharmacy, watching him and Brie interact. All I could say about this scene was, my God, because at first it looks so sad that he's having his dinner alone, like in front of the TV. But, oh, it is so sinister indeed. Yeah, we're really starting to see how evil and creepy he is. And you know what? He probably told Carlos on the phone. Oh, yeah, I'll give you all of Gabby's birth control, even though you're not on the prescription. And that's probably not even allowed. Ugh, it gives me the heebie-jeebies just to think about it. Then we black out, and that is our episode. Well, that's our episode. That is our episode. Um, I loved it because we had no Rex and no John Roland. I really liked this episode too. I'm going to give it like a nine out of 10 because I was just so happy with the last one. Yeah, this one, it felt, eh, it, it wasn't as good. I just want more, like I like it when Lynette gets more and she doesn't. Yeah, her whole personality is having multiple kids. Yeah. 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 Um, all right, you guys. So tell us what you thought. Give us five-star rating. Come to our socials. Come join our Facebook group. We want to mm -hmm. have fun little discussions. Yeah, we want to hang out with you guys. And if you are coming here from the Desperate Housewives Facebook group, I joined and promoted this podcast in. Hello and welcome. And you can join ours too. And don't forget to follow us on TikTok at We Are Going to Tell Pod and on Instagram at We Are Going to Tell. All right, guys. Thank you again for tuning in. We will see you next week. And until then, I'm Christy Gomez. I'm Summer Moran. And this is We Know What You Did.
it makes us sick. We're going to tell. Dang it. <laughs>